0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are excited to have Misty Winter on today. She is going to be talking and exposing, I guess, the food industry and how the food industry hijacked our lives 40, 50 years ago now, and we've been living off processed foods. Unfortunately, most of us have, and it has really made a lot of us sick. So she's going to be discussing that. First and foremost, so just a little housekeeping item. So we are streaming live from my personal Facebook page and the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Facebook page. And please go to our Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today. So check us out on all the podcast forums, like, subscribe, comment. What else do you want to hear? So with that, I would like to introduce Misty Winner. She's going to be talking about the food industry. Misty, welcome to our show. Yes. Hi. Hello. So, yeah, you and I somehow crossed paths on social media, and um, I was impressed on what you knew about the food industry. Um I think sometimes as a healthcare professional myself, we don't get a lot of education on food, whether it be, you know, Jan and I are both pharmacists, and I don't think most doctors, most pharmacists don't get a lot of education on that in school. So, um, it's very, very intriguing, and I love it when I see, you know, somebody that's a non-healthcare professional that is really educated on food. So, thank you for doing that for yourself. And let's, yeah, and let's talk a little bit about what got you interested in the food industry in the first place?
1: Uh, well, both sides of my family are really sick and overweight. And uh, probably in my early 20s, I decided that I was just going to start eating like fruits, vegetables, meat, stuff like that and get away from the package stuff. And I pretty much am the only person, I'm 42 now, but I'm the only person in my family on both sides that doesn't have, like or hasn't had cancer hypertension, type 2 diabetes, PCOS, I mean, the list just goes on and on. And um, I got really, really deeper into it probably about six years ago. I started doing research on keto because I'd heard about it. And so that started the whole rabbit hole all the way down into like, what is even the beginning of all this problem in the first place? And that's how I ended up finding Um, Dr. Robert Lustig and Dr. Jason Fung and a couple other doctors, and they, um, I actually, I highly recommend anybody that wants to learn. I mean, he goes way into the biochemistry. I I have a little bit of notes here, but it's probably a little bit too much. Um, But if you look up Sugar, the Bitter Truth by Dr. Robert Lustig, he will break down every single thing as far as fructose and what it actually does to the body and how bad it is for everybody. And it's, it's legitimately poison. It's basically metabolized in the liver just like alcohol is. And the liver is the only thing that can metabolize it. So it builds up non-alcoholic fatty liver um, among just pretty much any other m- metabolic syndrome that's out there.
0: Yeah, and Jason Fung has three books, Diabetes Code, the Obesity mm-hmm. Code, and uh, Cancer Code. And yeah, he's basically- yeah he is. And basically, they all come to the same. You could read one of them and it really sums up the other ones. it's It's basically yeah. sugar and fructose that's killing us. Yep. Um, now, the interesting thing that you note about um, you know fatty liver is that we had a doctor on our podcast who actually, you know preaches health and wellness himself and to his patients. and actually, fatty liver, so elevated liver enzymes, Due to excess carbohydrates and poor diet, has actually exceeded um, elevated um, liver enzymes from alcohol. So more people have fatty liver now because of poor diet than alcohol. You remember that discussion, Janet?
2: I do. But let's let's just remember too that that's two things that we're putting on ourselves in American culture. So, I mean. To me, that's just tragic because it's all lifestyle issues. It's choices. It's not genetic. It's it's what we are doing day in and day out to ourselves that mm-hmm. we have decisions and choices over. It's not it's not rocket science. Um, this is something that we all can learn from and, and move forward and change our lives and our outcomes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Misty, high fructose corn syrup. Um, you well. know a lot. Yeah, you know a lot about. <laughs> how the industry was hijacked by them um, back in the 70s. And you're going to give us a little bit of information on that um, with people's names and why it happened and all that. And I'm super excited to hear about that. Um, I've, I've heard about it before, but it's been probably about 15, 20 years ago that someone wanted to to talk to me about that and I wasn't really ready to hear it because it sounded kind of like a conspiracy theory and I wasn't into conspiracy theories then so a lot of those conspiracy theories come to truth so yeah I
1: talk to your conspiracy theorist friends we're not doing okay right now
0: <laughs> right 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 so tell us how you you know tell us a little bit about the history of high fructose corn syrup and and, and how it got into our foods and and it's a you know uh, um, you know it's in a lot of our foods.
1: Well, it was invented in Japan in 1966, and I'm not quite sure what happened between 66 and 75, but that's when it was introduced to our market. And uh, basically, Nixon was worried about the food prices going up and down and not being stable. And so he got his boy Earl Butts to figure out a solution for that problem because he didn't want to lose the election. So his solution was to just make food really cheap. They really didn't think about any kind of health problems or anything from it. They just wanted to make it cheap and keep the election. So here we go, high fructose corn syrup and making food out of buildings instead of pulling it out of the ground or where it's supposed to come from. And high fructose corn syrup is super cheap and processed foods the way that they keep it stable is they take all of the fiber out of it. Well, if you take fiber out of it and everything else, and the chemicals you put in there, it's going to taste horrible. So what do you do? Throw a bunch of cheap high fructose corn syrup in there so that it's palatable and stick a label on it that says low fat, because if we all know who Ansel Keys is, then you know how that started. And then people just, they just bought it. They fell into it. And, you know, here we are years later and, People are sick at, and and then, of course, it started traveling the world, countries that didn't have problems with these inflammatory diseases and metabolic syndromes. Now they are, and it's, it's following high fructose corn syrup and packaged foods.
0: Yeah, and when you look at it, I mean, you think about the 70s and the 80s. It was all about low fat, mm-hmm. and you know, carbs were good. And and fortunately, I think we're a lot of us are coming around to that. Unfortunately, there's so many processed foods. Most processed That's foods horrible. are so high. Yeah, they're so high in carbohydrates, and so many people are literally addicted to them. That um, you know, it's hard to get away from them. It,
1: it, it sugar called? and carb addiction is real. It's very yeah. real. Well, <laughs> yeah. it, well,
2: I also think that. There's such a difference as to how you feel versus something that's natural that comes from the ground versus something that comes from a box. Because, you know, let's face it, an apple, once you're done eating that, you're full. You can eat, you know, how many bars, how many cookies, how many bowls of cereal without feeling the same. So, um, you know, it, it interacts in our body differently. So It does. I, it
1: blocks leptin and right. it causes other hormonal issues that make you feel like you're just not even satiated. So you want to eat more of it. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, and,
2: and I think as a species, we want to eat until we feel full. And if we're not full, then it's like, okay, what else do I have in my pantry or in my refrigerator? And if we're not shopping the external part of the grocery store or going and getting fresh uh, foods, then, you know, those long lasting packages on the shelf are probably really starving our bodies. I mean, we're getting calories, but we're starving ourselves from other nutrients and actually feeling healthy
1: and good. It's not even good calories at that point, though, yeah. really, it's not. And then the whole like low fat craze, when that started, they didn't even do the study correctly. You know, back when Ancel Keys did the seven Countries study, they didn't even do it correctly. They just associated, well, these people eat fat, and then they have heart disease. They didn't remove anything. They didn't remove the fat and then do more studying to see if anything changed. So they just came up with it. And then they also don't recognize, well, maybe maybe they do now more so, but there's two different kinds of LDL. So they were saying that having high LDL is going to cause the plaque and everything, all this other buildup. Well, the large buoyant LDL that you get if you have a high fat diet doesn't get stuck in anything. And then it's the small, dense LDL is the stuff that gets stuck and gets built up and causes the plaque. Well, fructose, high fructose corn syrup causes that small, dense LDL and it causes it to build up. So they that's another thing that they also didn't get correct when they did that back in the 70s.
0: It's a small particle size with cholesterol that's a problem. And, yeah, and you could actually argue that you know, I don't think cholesterol is really necessarily the problem. I think it's a, uh, you know, insulin resistance is probably a lot bigger problem, uh, especially when it, yeah, when it looks at when you look at the risk for cardiovascular disease. Um, you know, I mean, I there are many people out there that have a very normal cholesterol, but they eat like crap and they have you know insulin resistance and they have a heart attack. So, and there's many stories out there of people that have cholesterols that are really, really elevated, and they don't have heart attacks. So I don't believe it's cholesterol. Janet, do you have any comments on that?
2: Oh, I do because... When we were in school, in pharmacy school, we were taught, you know, the low-fat diet and the statins and, you know, how that was going to solve all the heart heart, heart attacks and cardiovascular events that were happening in our country. And if you look at the statistics today, it is still the number one killer. We have not put a dent in it. In fact, I think it's worse. So it is safe to say that we haven't found in traditional medicine the smoking gun. And when we actually attack cholesterol, I think we're wrong a little bit because we need that actual structure in our body for every cell. So if we eliminate that and and take away cholesterol, then you end up with people that have joints and um, injuries to their muscles and things that aren't repairing. So I I feel like we're missing the mark. So the first thing I think um, to start with is maybe to go back to what are we doing in our life to get to this point? And diet seems to be a, a, a great place to start. So, you know, inflammation definitely does happen when we just you know swallow ourselves in in fructose or any kind of sugar for that matter, whether it be alcohol, sugar, or or the fructose. So, I, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me.
1: It's it's not necessarily acute either. It's it's over time. It's Correct. Not- like immediate, you know, you have a donut and you're not going to end up with diabetes, but you continuously keep that insulin. And then of course the inflammation on top of it. And
0: yeah. 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 You keep taxing your pancreas with too many carbohydrates and eventually your pancreas will be overtaxed and it will not be able to respond. And you will need a lot more insulin to respond to any carbohydrates you eat.
1: That's one thing I don't understand people that are you know, type two diabetic. Why don't they put two and two together, like, hey, um, I keep needing more and more insulin because I'm continuing to eat carbohydrates and I'm insulin resistant and it just keeps getting worse and progressive and progressive and remove the problem, remove the need for the insulin in the first place. And
0: Well, I I think, and Janet can hopefully um, add on to this also, I think our healthcare system has failed those people, Misty. Oh, Big, yeah. time. Um, Big time. Um, you know, I mean, Jan, I learned in pharmacy school... You know, when you have type one or type two diabetes, you're supposed to eat 80 percent carbs and just use more insulin. I mean, that that is just crazy. You think about yeah. that now. I, I just I, I just can't believe I believe that. Um, and we talk about this all the time. We do not believe in medication. Here we are. We are two pharmacists, and we do not believe in medication to treat type two diabetes long term. Period. It's a carbohydrate metabolism problem. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are some people that are, you know, some people argue, well, there's thin people that have type 2 diabetes. Yes, you're yep, exactly. right. exactly. But if those people didn't eat carbs, they wouldn't have high elevated glucoses. Just don't no, eat that's carbs. What, one of
1: the things I love about Jason Fung is he's, he's basically called everybody out he, he even med school he talks about in med school he's like they don't even teach you how to heal people in med school they yeah. teach you how to prescribe drugs to people and sell drugs to them you know and it's 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 pretty bad when there's doctors out there that have to say uh don't even listen to other doctors because these yeah. guys are all just trying to make money
0: janet what's your comment well, on that?
2: my comment with this is that you know i've had several pets that, you know, we had a chronic condition and the first thing you do with your veterinarian is discuss what kind of food we're going to use and how much and why. So we, we have gotten to a point where when we say to people, you need to lose weight or you need to do this in your lifestyle, that that's actually taboo or it's woke or some crazy thing when, when really it could be the easiest thing and the safest thing and you have total control over it. Nobody else can control what's putting in your mouth, unless you're, you know, children can't. But as an adult, this is totally in your hands. So, I think it's really sad that in in our healthcare system that we can't give the control back to the patient and to the person and say, "Hey, this is where you can make a huge difference in your life," and why not? It's inexpensive to go back to being healthy. Being sick is totally expensive. I mean, that that can, you know,
1: break you. So I have yeah, that argument numerous times with people, like what's going to cost you more a bunch of prescriptions and doctor visits and being in the hospital or right. just go buy some meat and veggies. And eat yeah, right. Right.
0: absolutely. It, it's, really, it's really that simple.
1: I'm not very good at math, but... <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so let's talk about genetics. You you say Misty that you have a family history. You've got some family that, you know, struggle with diabetes, cancer, and things like that. So, oh. commonly we get some people that will say, "Well, you know what? I just got bad genes." So it's kind of a a cop out. So, but you have taken a different approach to that. Will you tell me about that?
1: Well, I do believe that some people are more predisposed to have more insulin resistance than others. And of course, you know, people's metabolisms are different. You know, there's people that have high metabolism, there's people are not. Well, um, as far as like genetics goes, uh, I was doing a little bit of research and the only thing that really would affect somebody as far as their biochemistry that would legitimately make them just pack weight on is a lack of being able to see your leptin. And there is some injuries that have happened to people, like car accidents and brain tumors and stuff like that, where, you know, the scar tissue breaks up that pathway, and you don't see the leptin anymore. Well, you go into you're constantly in in save mode, save mode, save mode. So um, Robert Lustig actually has treated quite a few of those patients and saved them, and they just started packing on weight out of nowhere. And uh, there was a drug that they found that. Basically, steps in for the leptin, and lo and behold, they're losing the weight, they're doing just fine. But aside from that, um, genetically, if you are like me, that's more predisposed to if I look at a donut, I'm gonna gain five pounds, just remove the problem, don't eat it, you know. And right. if you do every once in a while, you know, okay. But um, people that are like, oh, it's just in my genetics, well, okay, well, you can also fix
0: that. Right. And that's what I say. We can't change our genes, but we can definitely change the way our genes are expressed. Yes. Um, and, definitely. you know, so when people say, well, I just, you know, I have a cardiovascular history in my, in my, in my life. My dad died when he was 45. My mom died when she was 50. Um, you know, I'm kind of doomed. It's like, well, no, no, you're not. You can still change the way your genes are expressed, even though you have bad genetics.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, um, you know, Jason Fung gets into that a lot too when he talks about like intermittent fasting and um, there's somebody else that I follow. His name's Thomas DeLauer. He's not a doctor or anything, but he goes through a lot of the studies and that's pretty much all he does is he goes through all the studies that are coming out and he'll, he'll gets on YouTube and he tells everybody about what's going on. But um, they, you can trick your metabolism. You can change your metabolism. I mean, case in point, look at people that do bikini competitions. You know, they come out of that with, you know, no metabolism and they have to repair it and rebuild it. And so I don't really think it's healthy to do it that extreme all the time, but you can change the way your metabolism reacts.
0: Well, I think one thing we said is, and we talk about it um, often now, is metabolic flexibility. Yeah. And when you look at in the history, you know, our ancestors – you know, they were metabolically flexible. So um, it wasn't that they couldn't eat fruit. Let's face it, fruit fructose comes from fruit. And it wasn't yeah. that they could, couldn't do that. They just didn't do it all the time. Right. Um, and it was when, when it would, was in season. Right. <laughs> they did it seasonally. And they would also do it when they probably didn't have other things. For instance, um, I know a lot of people don't like hearing this, but, you know, in, in most cultures, when you look at it, you uh, um, you know, over generations and generations, the number one food source was meat. When you look at it for calories, the number one food source was meat. And they ate vegetables and they ate fruit a lot of times when they didn't have enough meat.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, so it was still meat that was mostly sustain- sustaining them. And, um, you know, but also... There'd be periods of fasting when they didn't have meat, when they were hunters and gatherers, and they didn't have any food stored because it was in the winter, and they didn't have um, any meat yet because they hadn't, you know, hunted um, or or um, hadn't had a successful hunt. They would fast for a couple of days until they had food. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's just
1: the, the way that the biochemistry works within the body when you are fasting is it's fascinating. I mean, if we just, you know, also pe- some people argue about, oh, well, keto is unhealthy. Well. If it was unhealthy, our bodies wouldn't have the ability to do it. We wouldn't be able to
0: run on fats. That's (laughs) That's a really good point, right? Yeah, (laughs) Our our bodies are incredibly flexible and incredibly um, resilient. Um, I mean, the average person, I'm not saying this is healthy necessarily, but the average person can go without food for up to 30 days. That's a long right. yeah. time. That tells you how much storage we have in our body and our fat stores is a perfect way to save energy. The yeah. problem is, is when we have an overabundance of food, like most of us do as Americans, um, we're going to store too much of it.
1: Mm-hmm. And then also just the way that the fructose metabolizes anyway, it's it's like immediate fat into the liver.
2: Right. That that's the problem is that we're converting it into that instead of energy and burning it.
0: -hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the things when I when I think about fructose, you think that you know it's 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 fruit sugar is where fructose comes from. Well, were we not made to eat that? Were we not made to eat fruits? Well, we were. But like Janet said, it was we were going to burn it. Okay, I don't have anything else to eat, so I'm going to eat this banana, which is pretty high in fructose, and it's going to spike my glucose. But then I've got to go. You know, I've got to go chase a deer to go right. Yeah, to have dinner. I mean, right. you know, You're not going to eat and sit
1: in front of the TV and no. watch a movie or something.
0: <laughs> no, and as a as a and I know you love cyclists, Misty. That's <laughs> my favorite.
1: <That's> a <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yes. as a cyclist, I I eat around my workouts and and. You know, I had a mountain bike race um, Sunday and right before the race, I had a pure fructose gel, you know, I mean, it was a hundred calories of pure fructose, but I burnt 2000 calories in an hour and a half. Right. An exactly. hour and 50 if you're minutes. burning
1: it, you're not going to hurt yourself.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, and we just have to, so we have to be careful with those things. If we're going to burn it, then yeah, we can, we can eat it.
2: Well, I, I do have a comment to say about this though. I mean, we, we had an Airedale who love to um, snoop through things, and he was super smart, and I had bought Sean um, applesauce for his rides because I thought, well, this would give him a change, you know, while he's riding, and um, the dog got into Sean's bag of his bike gear, ate all the applesauce, I mean, every last drop of it, but did not touch the gels or the sugars or all he the other stuff. So right. the first thing I said, when I said, no, this is what I said to him. I said, if an animal rejects, we probably shouldn't. I
0: right? would think about that. A dog was an he, omnivore and yeah. and... And, There's you know, opportunists there. and they wouldn't eat the gel that I was eating before my races. Nope. I mean, That's it just funny. tells you, <laughs> he ate the real food, but he wouldn't eat the gels. No. It just tells you something about those food. And yeah. one thing about this, as we're on the subject, is like one of the things we talk about when it comes to eating healthy. It, it, I know it, it, it's a lot simpler than it sounds, but some people get really confused. But here's one of the simplest things to remember. If it doesn't rot, don't eat it. Right. Yeah. And And, and think about high fructose corn syrup. It is so highly concentrated sugar that bacteria and mold cannot grow in it. It's too concentrated. It'll lyse their cells. So it's preserved in itself. It's a preservative in itself. High fructose corn syrup is a preservative in itself. It won't rot, but we probably shouldn't eat it. That's
1: so why Twinkies will live forever. They'll outlast us. <laughs>
0: right, right. Could have still preservative. So yeah. so you also um, you also have some issues with gluten. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I've, I've got a really sensitive digestive system. And, um, I did a little bit of digging on that too. And, um, from what I understand, it's just the way that they have over processed it nowadays, I guess, way back in the day, people, well, maybe they just didn't know, you know, like for me, um, if I eat a sandwich, I'll wake up the next day in my face. I think you saw that picture. Didn't you see I that did. picture? Of me? I yeah. Did. It's, it's crazy. My, my whole body gets inflamed, but you can really see it in my face. And, um, It also upset my stomach and stuff like that. But uh, I also can't do lactose. So it kind of does the same thing, not nearly as bad with the inflammation, but more more stomach inflammation than anything. And um, I didn't really notice it until I cut it out of my diet for a while. And then I had it again and I was like, I feel like crap. My body just blew up. And so.
0: And, you know, Jan and I have discussed this time and time again about like lactose, for instance, we'll talk about lactose. You know, I mean, most of our cultures in in America, most of our cultures, we, you know, if you look at generations and generations back, we grew up, you know, eating dairy products. Mm -hmm. So why all of a sudden does lactose cause problems? Well, I mean, you could maybe argue it's because even our milk is processed. Yeah. You know, my wife grew up on a dairy farm. She grew up drinking raw milk. And she lived, right? <laughs> and 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 you got to think when you pasteurize milk, pasteurization, you know, kills bacteria, and there are probably good, not probably, there are good bacteria in that milk that probably helps us process lactose. Period. And that's why a lot of our our gut biomes are messed up because we have all this processed food. If we were eating real food that wasn't processed, including pasteurized, yes, you could make an argument that. It saved a lot of lives because people get sick with botulism and stuff if, if food is not yeah. um, you know processed correctly. But you, you know where I'm going with that. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, as specifically just as far, far as people like getting sick and stuff, if they took better care of how they actually handle stuff, I mean, that would help too. But no, I think over processing stuff is absolutely one of the problems too. And I didn't even notice anything until I was about thirteen, is when I noticed. Like, because I used to, I would just grab the milk jug and drink it out of the fridge. Um, But as soon as I turned thirteen, it just, for whatever reason, I would drink milk and I'd feel really nauseous. And Mm -hmm. um, I really miss ice cream. (laughs) That much, but um, and then, like I said, with the gluten and stuff, I didn't notice it until later in life, until I really just quit eating it. But then, you know, I look back like in high school, I was 210 pounds. I was really, really heavy. You know, I grew up super poor. We ate a bunch of garbage and I don't know. um, I kind of heard that same thing. Oh, we just can't afford the good food or whatever. And then once I got out on my own, I kind of cut back a lot of that stuff and I started losing weight and didn't feel so bad anymore. But um, yeah, so I think that the whole, all of it together, the overprocessing, the kind of change in the dynamics of the gluten itself, and then probably cooking out anything that would help a gut, you know, digest the yeah. lactose. And that's funny. I, I, I actually listened to like an hour and a half long um, lecture that an immunologist gave on the perturbation of the microbiome, and like they are finding out. This was like two years ago when COVID first started. Mm-hmm. Was it two years now? Anyway, um, and they. Everybody thought that was like conspiracy theory, right? You remember that? And people like, oh, yeah. the gut microbiome, that's a yeah. joke. You're just a quack. Well, they have even linked like babies that are f- given formula um, to having inflammatory diseases like asthma. And, you know, I was formula fed. I have asthma. You know, my daughter was too. She's got asthma. So they've really been able to get and see that what we put into our bodies is absolutely affecting what our bodies are putting back out and i don't know why that seems so strange to
0: people right right
1: <laughs> makes perfect sense to me i mean you feed right. yourself garbage what do you expect your body right. to do with it it doesn't know right.
0: We had a great podcast Dr. Sabina Salinka and she studies nothing she's a she's a doctor MD and she studies nothing but the microbiome and she did a big study on how people responded to covid and people that had a good microbiome responded better to covid not not a surprise i mean 80 70 to 80% of our immune system res, you know um, resides in our gut. Yeah. I mean, and our gut is our ultimate protection. It's where we get all of our nutrients, right? Most of our nutrients. Mm-hmm. And um, if our gut's not healthy, our bodies aren't going to be healthy, period. Oh. I mean, there's just no, no way.
1: No, no. And that's, I don't understand why people have such a hard time. Like, I don't even know how to eat healthy. How do you not, what do you mean you don't know? Look like at my mom's type two diabetic and she's like, I just don't know what to do. I just keep getting sicker and they have to keep changing my insulin. I was like, I told her, I was like, look up Dr. Jason Fung and listen to him. Yep. And the doctor's doctor told me that it wouldn't be good for me to cut carbs out. I'm like,
0: uh, I, I know. I, I know we hear as pharmacists, we hear it all the time. Now we're, we're not traditional pharmacists. That's one of the reasons why, because we realized we were making our patients sicker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we believe in educating and empowering our, 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 our patients to take charge of their own health. And then that's through diet, exercise, sleep, and, and hormone replacement is a piece of it too, which, which what, what we do. But, um, You know, we got tired of hearing that. It's like, what do you mean? You just need more carbohydrate and turn up your insulin. It's like, seriously, it it doesn't make any sense.
1: (laughs) It doesn't.
0: You know, I mean, and and we, when we buy it and most people in the mainstream medical um, buys it. Now you could argue that, you know, big pharma has not argue big pharma along with the food industry, which they're very, very highly correlated um, yeah, you know, they they've they've hiked the they've hiked the, uh, um, um, hacked the um, medical industry, you know. Big pharma owns it, and they they love people using more insulin, and they love they love new diabetics.
1: It you bothers know. me so bad because I mean, all somebody has to do is just get a little bit curious and just, you know, like I said, I I got curious one day, so I I ended up finding that um, sugar the bitter truth, and I was just like, oh, wow. You know, yeah. I can't believe that people just sit back and let this happen. And it's so obvious too; it really is. It doesn't even take. Like, you don't have to even be a pharmacist or a doctor to, to sit down and yep. look at this stuff and go, "Oh, wow!"
0: Right. You know? Right. Yeah, I, I I agree. Back on the gluten thing and bread, you know, I think I think the same thing is with that. It's like you know, when you read about cultures, I mean, we've been eating grains and breads for thousands of years mm-hmm. with, without any problems. So why are there problems over the last? You know, 30, 40 years, gluten problems and things, probably because of the processing of the food.
1: Yeah, you know? I don't tolerate any any grains very well at all. I mean, even rice, I just, I can't handle much of it.
0: Yeah. And and the good thing is, is that, at, at, you know, as an individual, this is what we, we talk about on our podcast all the time, is there is no one diet that is good for everybody. No. None. It's and. And people and if and if you talk to somebody and they say the only way is keto or the only way is intermittent fasting or the only way is you know Mediterranean then go somewhere else you need to find out what diet works for you I have a twin brother exactly yeah I have a twin brother and he's a bodybuilder powerlifter. And he has a completely different diet than I do, and and as well as he should. He doesn't exercise as long as I do or as intense as I do. So his diet is completely different. Mine would not work for his. His would not work for mine. So yeah. you got to find out what works for you. Um, and, and kudos to you, Misty, for literally changing your life. I mean, from going to 210 in in high school to what are you this morning, 160?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean that's awesome that that is life changing and and people around you see that you're inspiring others your kids see that it's 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 incredible um so you started a new journey today right at the gym is that correct
1: well yeah kind of uh, Yeah, well, kind <laughs> of. <laughs> well uh one of my best friends he is a bodybuilder and so I was like all right send me your send me your routine so he sent me his and um so that was my first day to do I mean, I'm not a stranger to the gym by any means, but uh, I'm like, all right, focus, hardcore, diet on point, everything. So you go a whole so- month without even having a drink. <laughs> and uh, we'll see. Because I know the first couple of weeks is going to be, that's always the biggest. Like if yep. you go hardcore into something, because that's where you're going to lose the inflammation that you had, the water weight, losing some of the fat. But um, so the first couple of weeks would be, I'm pretty excited to see what happens. Good
0: good for you. Well, you'll have to keep us updated on your progress. Will do. Um, so as we wind up this show, Misty, Misty, I have a couple questions for you. Okay. So um, what do you have a passion for?
1: So many things. <laughs> so much. Um, I I actually really do enjoy helping people and talking about this stuff and trying to help other people get healthy and try to help other people get off of you know, pills and stuff. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, but I can point them in the right direction mm-hmm. of doctors who could, you know, help them more. And um, aside from that, grilling meat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. Carnivore. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, if anybody has any questions, Misty, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Um, probably my Instagram. Okay. The real Misty winner.
0: The real Misty winner on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Okay, Steph, can you find that real quick? We're going to try to find that and we'll 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 share that. Misty, I love I love your health journey. I love how you're changing lives. Um, It's really really truly inspiring. Um, I can say most people, unfortunately, um, probably gain the fifty pounds after high school by the time they're your age instead of lose it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and I I wanted to I wanted to yeah. I mean it's it's really that's really really cool. Um, You know. I'll, I'll ask – when when I help people lose weight, I'll ask them, it's like, okay, well, what did you weigh in high school? And with men, you know, usually men should probably – if they were a healthy weight in high school, they're probably not going to weigh what they weighed in high school because men just develop a lot after high school. But women typically should probably be at about their high school weight and most of their life probably. If they were at a healthy high school weight, unfortunately, Misty, as you know – Many, many girls are not at a healthy weight in, in high school. Um, so it's just, it's just refreshing to see that, you know, you're changing lives, um, your life and others around you. I did want to mention too about eating healthy, being expensive. And we've, we've done, we've done a podcast on this, I believe we've talked about it before and, and you already made it clear that, you know, you, you know, kind of like my, Janet said, you either eat healthy now or it's going to cost you a lot later. Those, yeah, are, the, exactly. those are the facts. Those are the and then also,
1: if you can, save up by in bulk. I just bought a second pig. I'm going to probably end up getting a whole cow here in probably about two months. So, And then veggies, I'm sorry, but it's like $3 at Safeway for a big bag of organic broccoli that's frozen. And yep. frozen veggies are fine. They cut it and they flash freeze it. So it preserves a lot of the nutrients in them and it's not expensive.
0: Right. I did a video a few months ago. I think it was in January and I bought a McDonald's hamburger. I didn't eat it. I bought a McDonald's hamburger and it was 400 calories. And then I went to this and it was like $3, something like that, whatever. Right. Then I went to the store and I bought a potato and I bought some broccoli and I bought a chicken breast from the deli. So I wasn't buying in bulk either. And, and that, that chicken breast, that broccoli, and that potato was like a few dollars. It was about the same price probably as as the McDonald's burger. But here's the argument. How, many, how much of that broccoli, that potato, and that chicken breast can you eat?
1: Probably just about that serving. Probably that's about it.
0: that. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, Misty, but um, I'm not a big fan of chicken, but um, I can only eat one chicken breast. And that's probably a good thing. Yeah. And then I get full. Okay. A McDonald's hamburger, I could eat three or four of them. Without stopping. I mean, so you know, and here's the problem. When people go to McDonald's, this is my whole thing with uh, eating healthy, it being cheaper. When you go to McDonald's, do you really order just a hamburger? No. You might have good intentions when you're going to the drive right. You might have good intentions when you're going to the drive thru, but the next thing you know, you add supersized fries to it, you add a big Coke to it, and then you add their little ice cream side dish or whatever. I mean, it's just so easy when, if you're eating at home, you got to prepare that stuff. If you prepare your food, it's a lot harder to overeat.
1: Mm -hmm. No, you're right. And well, even just, you know, fat itself. Like if you eat a nice fatty steak i mean fat has more energy per gram than carbs do anyway so you're going to get satiated faster absolutely And you've mentioned soda and that's a whole rabble hole we didn't get a chance to go down <laughs> i can go off on that for days
0: but we'll have to have another podcast <laughs> yeah, to right that. so 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 misty i really appreciate you being on it's it's thanks um, for having me yeah you're really inspiring i love what you're doing you'll have to keep us updated on on your on your health journey because I I, I definitely want to follow you and I want our listeners and and viewers to, to be inspired by you. So thank you so much for being on.
1: Thank you for having me so much.
0: Yes. And tomorrow, tune in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. We will have Dr. Jared Wallen. He's a urologist, and he is going to be talking about erectile dysfunction. You don't want to miss that. We change the time to the afternoon tomorrow. It'll be 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So don't miss out. And Monday, you don't want to miss out. We're back on our regular schedule after Memorial Day. Dr. Michael Turner talking about anti-aging. So tune in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for watching and listening.